0: Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. Hello, everybody. Bridget McGowan here, and welcome to today's episode of On the Microphone. I have with me my friend, client, and colleague. Yeah, I like the sound of that, Jeanette Baker. Jeanette, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Bridget. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so excited to be here
0: today. You are quite welcome. Now, Jeanette, you are a professional speaker, but life did not start that way for you. Your professional career did not start as a professional speaker, tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are now. Where you're on a stage, you're an author, you're sharing your message. How did you get here?
1: That is a, a unique story. So I worked for a non for profit, and um, I was fairly young. I was 20 at the time that I started. Uh, so 20 years old. I worked for non for profit, um, and. I was asked by the local community if I would come in and help teenagers really understand finance, really understand budgeting and goal setting and um, everything that has to do with it. So honestly, my very first speaking job was in front of a bunch of teenagers teaching them how to properly record checks. Right, so we're talking about a really long time ago because <laughs> we're talking about checks. This is before debit cards existed. I'm not gonna lie. So that was my very first time, and um, eventually, the requests started just coming in from high schools, from um, other credit unions, from other um, community um, involvements, et cetera, just saying, "Hey, would you come speak?" And they would just kind of change it, right? So my very first one was it was a four hour session, right. And it covered anything from planning to how to do a check register to how to, um, budget to, I mean, you name it. Like I taught a mini session on financial fitness to 16 year olds. Um, and then it just started, you know, evolving. And then, um, finally when I left, um that job and I actually went into a you know I I hate to say a big girl job but it was a large corporation um type of job um
0: they kept coming (laughs) (laughs) okay so so the 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 speaking requests kept coming yes yes. why do you think that is and totally be egotistical with this
1: you know, honestly, I, th- I think it's one um, that I was young. So I related to a young adult audience, right? So I wasn't far off of their age at the time. Um, and I'm a pretty energetic speaker, right? I'm pretty blunt, I'm honest, um, I, can, uh, I can relate. Even now, 23 years later, um, I'm still speaking to young adults, but I'm still able to relate. Um, and using analogies with my, with my kids, or, um, you know, just, just staying inside, knowing the music, knowing the trends, knowing, knowing what it is, Um, and, uh, and, and again, telling my story, so uh, I'm a storyteller, and so I, I keep it lively with stories.
0: So a lot to take away from that, being relatable, whether it was 23 years ago or today, remaining relatable. And it doesn't matter who's in your audience or what their age is or what their background is, making sure you are able to create those connections. And then also that energy that you talked about, that energy bringing that is undeniable. I'll never forget presenting at a conference about a year ago and it was a pretty sizable online conference. After the fact, the organizer or one of the organizers reached out and said, Bridget, your session was the most energetic, and we believe it's because you're the only one who stood up for your webinar, right? They, well, they said, they said this. They said, you're the only one who stood up. And I don't think they connected the two between me standing and the energy. So whatever, I throw that in there for whatever reason, the energy point. So relatable energy. And then the final piece that you added was storytelling. That is that hook. People will remember that before they remember anything else. Let me tell you, I was with a group of uh, sales and marketing type people recently. And one of the topics they wanted me to, to address was how do you handle effectively handle if you will handle is probably not a good word but handle difficult people or difficult audience members and so I told them this story about our son so he's in fourth grade and just like any other fourth grader he is heartbroken if someone is not nice to him if someone is mean if someone is rude you know I mean it's just at that age right you have some kids that are wonderfully sweet and others that are not And so my husband and I try to teach him. We're like, sweetie, you cannot make anyone be nice to you. Can't make them be kind. You can't make them be sweet. You can't make them not be difficult. But what you can do is when they're not looking, steal their juice box in the cafeteria. No, I'm kidding. And so, (laughs) (laughs) but I told that to the audience and they were, you know, they were rolling. But then I went on to say that we tell him you cannot change them but you change your response to that person. You cannot change how someone acts, but you can change how you react to them. And then we launched into strategies for reacting to difficult audience members or responding to difficult questions or whatever. But I guarantee you, they're probably not gonna remember my seven step strategy, but they'll remember the juice box story, right? Exactly, so what's one of your favorite stories to tell and what's the lesson behind the story in your presentations? What's a story where your audience members just, I don't know, they fall in love with you or they fall in love with the message. What's one you can share with us?
1: Oh, wow. Looking back, I think, you know, honestly, um, you know, I speak on various topics now, right? Even though it started out as, you know, basic financial planning uh, is turned more into goal setting, right? Goal setting, um, uh, adaptability, change management, um, those type of messages, and so I think I think the the biggest story um, that that I share is one that I shared in the book Heals to Deals, um, and so Heals to Deals was an amazing book uh, that you uh, were the publisher, Bridget, um, and I got to share my my story uh, because uh, it it was relatable to, to young adults. So with that being said, you know, I, I was pregnant at 17 and I talk about, you know, I was sitting in the principal's office and as he, you know, found out himself, obviously through the small town room um, you know, explaining his disappointment into me. Um, I had a, a fairly sizable scholarship um, uh, to go to a top journalism school um I was editor of school newspaper. I was captain of the cheerleading team
0: at uh, one time. you know I all the uh, things all the things you that do that you're that, you're that small <laughs> town poster child, right? when we think of the the top notch student, the going places girls yes, yeah,' I'm gonna
1: break out of the mold right really break that that mold and um. Yeah. And I got pregnant at 17. And so his disappointment in me, you know, at the time, you know, I was just devastated. I was devastated myself. Right. I was trying to plan my life and everything that went with it was just eroded. So I could have sat there and I could have believed his message that I ruined my life. I literally, he said, you threw your life away. Wow. You have nothing ahead of you. You threw your life away. So I could have sat there and I could have said, yep, you're right. I threw it away. I'm just gonna do what I do. And but and I probably did, I'm not gonna lie. For you know, I, I had to I had to adapt to my new normal, but I didn't stand there. And so I think the power of adaptability um is is the message I I tell. And so in in coming from that story um and explaining the emotions that I felt during there, I could have sank or I could have, you know, swam. And so going through the process of saying, hey, maybe um, I can do something different. And so that's where I talk about, you know, like I could have wallowed in the shame I was in, but I did not. Um, and so, you know, really you know, sharing that, that story, overwhelming with people and, and, and displaying that emotion um, and setting up my plan, right? So I sat down. I sat down that very night and I said, you know what? This is my new normal. And and, and I was like, you can think that. And so literally that night and I wrote out, here's my plan and I'm gonna figure it out. Step one, I will get my college degree. It won't be the same way. I'm gonna need to take some time. It's not gonna be, I took my gap year. My gap year was having a baby. (laughs) (laughs) and I raised my son right so and and my son was with me the whole time so I still did um my school so I laid out how can I how can I go to school how can I go to school differently um, with that and so I got my degree and then I said okay what's next and so that's what I I got my degree but I worked for that non-for-profit and I did that for the first few years of my son's life because I could do the balance right I could get my new normal and then I realized, you know what, I needed to do something bigger. I was bigger than that small town, not-for-profit. I needed to do something bigger. So I went to a major corporation. And with that, they told me, "Nope, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't. You won't have the flexibility. You won't be able to be a mom. You, you, they, they, they don't know you the way we know you. I'm gonna tell you, best thing I ever did.
0: Wow! <laughs> I moved
1: up in that company and I made changes and i continued to speak and i continued to do the step on the side um and continued to grow and adapt i ended up getting my masters i ended up then teaching in college part time while i um still worked and raised my children um and you know i'm not going to say you can do it all but you do everything you want to do yeah. and and uh, and so that so that's that's the story. Now I do it much more eloquently on stage. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, I totally get it. I I, know. I, totally, I totally get it, uh, for sure. But it sounds like it just kind of oh it started with a number of things. I mean, it started with that plan, it started with that principle, just kind of trying to predict your future or uh, you know assign a lane to you and you deciding no I'm going to assign and create my own lane everybody Jeanette Baker is a passionate problem solver who excels at finding creative solutions to achieve exceptional results both in her life and in her clients lives despite facing numerous challenges, including that pregnancy when she was a teen. While working and attending school full-time, Jeanette tackles each obstacle with determination and resilience. Now, while her outspoken and Socratic approach initially led some higher executives to find her quote-unquote too intimidating in corporate America, Jeanette embraced their feedback and she adapted while never losing her passion nor her ability to inspire excellence. Jeanette is committed to finding a better way to propel herself through uh, life period. I mean, she founded when she was working on her graduate degree, she became an adjunct professor in business leadership management and capstone classes at the bachelor's and master's levels. She has more than 20 years of leadership experience. She's mentored countless individuals to include young adults to seasoned professionals, where she guides them to unlocking their full potential by owning their power and that is the foundation of the title of her book if you will own your power Jeanette is a two-time author as she shared her story is also in another book heels to deals how women are dominating in business to business sales and then in spring of 2023 she launched her own book "Own your power which is available on amazon.com, barnesandnoble.com, and wherever you like to purchase your books. Now, your career in speaking has changed over the years. If you could think back, well, I should say over the decades, and let me tell you, she doesn't look a day over 25 If you could think back, and she has on no makeup. I mean, imagine if she had on makeup. She looks fantastic today. Too bad y'all can't see her. Check out her picture. Just check her out on LinkedIn. She's amazing. If you could think back to your first presentation versus your most recent presentation, what is the, she's over here choking and gagging, and (laughs) flinching. (laughs) What is the biggest difference between the two, Jeanette? I can say
1: experience, right? So my very first one, I didn't know what I was doing. It's a four hour present. Can you even imagine what they were setting me up for? (laughs) What they got, but um, I would say the difference, 1000%, um, it is confidence in Uh, that, you know what? It doesn't matter how it starts or, or, or if you have those difficult people or something happens where the fire alarm goes off in the middle, yep. Had that one too. We're going to get it done mm-hmm. and you're going to impact. And mm-hmm. I always start like, if you can take one tiny piece, one tiny piece back with you from what I talk with you today, whether it's a 20 minute keynote or whether it's a four hour you know, in depth session, if you can take one thing away, then, you know, if one person can take one thing away, you know what? I did my job. I, you know, it, I, I was able to help someone. Um, and that's the most rewarding thing. I don't, that first presentation, I just thought, okay, this is just something I'm going to do. And now I go in, I'm like, I'm going to impact a life today. And I know I am because every single time I am blessed that someone comes up to me and sometimes with tears in their eyes and just embraces and says, I needed this. I needed to talk to you today. I needed to attend this. I wasn't planning on attending. I felt I needed to come. Um, Thank you. Um, And so that's, I think, I think that's the biggest thing for my first one. I just thought it was something I did to now it's something I'm here to do.
0: Wow. The first one was just something you did, you received a request, you obliged, now it's something you do. And I believe that wholeheartedly, especially after working with you on bringing your book to life, where you spell out that plan if you will that you had back when you were 17 and how young adults can use the power of adaptability the power of communication I could just go on down the line of all of these different powers to own and creating this plan I mean, this is truly what you do. Now, I know you spend a lot of time working with or speaking to young adults. Do you speak to other audiences? And if so, what topics do you address? Is it kind of some of the same topics as you do with young adults? Talk to us about what you speak on most of the time.
1: Yeah. So another one of my passions is definitely in a a more of a business setting is talking about change management right? How, how to use the power of change effectively. And so too often in the business setting, right, as leaders, we want to just say, here's the change, go do it, and not have to explain the, the, the reason why, or where it's coming, or, you know, it's kind of like the, the mom, I said to do it, just do it type of attitude, And guess what? That's going to happen. That's going to be like Charlton Heston out of my cold dead hands. That's not going to happen. So um, I really love teaching leadership on how to really make a strong change management plan. And it's not just communication. It's literally a plan and a concept to promote change. And it doesn't even matter if it's as small as you know, hey, we're gonna roll out a new system, or hey, we're gonna roll out a whole unite, you know, entire company vision, right? There has to be a process in place and a process that you test um and, and you bring through uh, to the end. So that's the one thing I love and I love it in an intimate setting, right? With with a group of 10, 15 leaders in a room where we can really evoke and plan out a change right it's not just me talking about it it's literally here here's your pen here's your pencil and here's your paper and we're going to say what change do you want to evoke in your and how what's the style we're going to do And we're going to put into action right now something you can take with you today and think about it differently.
0: That's what some of the best presentations do, Jeanette, is having the audience take action right then and there, or at least they're creating a plan where they have uh, strategies, tools that they can immediately put in place Monday morning. I mean, that is the hallmark of an impactful presentation is when you're giving people something that they can actually use and where there's utility to it, and it's not just you getting up there to talk for the sake of talking and feeling time but really bringing about change uh that's that's like rock star stuff there (laughs) without a (laughs) doubt yeah rock star stuff okay now because you work with leaders leaders can be very strong-willed I mean that's kind of how they become leaders is they are not pushovers have you ever had a situation where you had a difficult audience member And yeah, you have to manage that. And what did you do?
1: Yeah, so definitely many, many times. (laughs) (laughs) Very difficult um, audience members. Um, I I remember this one gentleman, uh, again, I'm a storyteller. So I'll tell uh, a story to, to illustrate it. And his comment back to me was like, I know your little cute stories and everything, but I need something tangible. I was thinking, okay, okay, I see you. <laughs> I got it. And I, you so, know, and so I was like, I appreciate your feedback, right? Like, and then that's just who I am. You know, everyone has a different approach, but who I am is, you know, I embrace it. I said, appreciate your feedback. Um, I was like, let's try to drive in. What does it mean to take something tangible today? What do you want to leave here with? And I put them on the spot. I put them on the spot. Right. And so and he came back as, you know, well, I I expect to have, um, you know, X, Y and Z. And he was very specific on it once. I said, great, let's write that down. We're going to use that as a state study for everybody. So we're all (laughs) going to participate in your discovery today. Right. Why not? I mean, he brings out the session that we were going to dive in. He jumped in a little bit sooner. Right. But that's OK. Let's embrace it. Yeah. Um, and afterwards he came up and he was like, that was a good session. I I I think I learned, you know, I, I think he didn't say I learned. He definitely did not say I learned. <laughs> uh he, he said, you know, I, I think I have something I can I can work with from here. <laughs> I was like, good for you.
0: Oh my gosh, you're hilarious. But I love how one, you did it cave under the pressure. Two, you didn't try to fight back and listeners, I want you to understand that you don't want to cave in because then you're turning over your power to that person and they're going to railroad you and take Mm -hmm. over your presentation, but then you don't push back. Force follows force blindly. I want you to think about if someone cuts you off on the freeway, you immediately want to get back at them some kind of way you tailgate them you honk your horn or something. And all that's going to do is just make them even matter they're probably going to end up, you know, slamming down on their brakes to try to get you to rear end them or something. But if you decide to change the way you respond. And you come up with a solution that involves them and an answer that involves them. It just turns everything around, but you can't cave, but then you can't try to fight back either because it's just not going to be pretty for anybody. I love how you handle that. That was beautiful.
1: Yeah. I had a um, coaching session once with uh, an employee.
0: So she was doing an, a
1: presentation and the VP was wanted off topic, right? She... <laughs> nothing about her presentation but something struck him and he was totally off topic and she kept trying to bring him back in topic and i finally had to interrupt him and was like nope we're gonna table this and afterwards she was so upset she's like no i said no sometimes we have to adapt you nothing you said was going to resonate during that presentation to that vp i said the goal going in and she goes i needed him to accept this this project i said based on what you learned, three minutes into that presentation, was that going to happen? Well, he wouldn't stay on topic. I said, so was that going to happen? And she said, no. I said, exactly. So you pivot. You pivot quickly. Whatever he wanted to hear at that time, we're going to discuss and we're going to table that because all he's going to remember about your topic is that he didn't want to talk about it and he definitely is not going to approve it. So we want to make him know that we never came in on that topic, right? We're just gonna table that for another time and deal with what's on his mind right now. Now, was that you know professional? Should the VP have done that? Probably not. But you know what? We can't control that. That's not in our control. What's in our control is getting our project done, which it wasn't gonna get done today. So we had to table that for another time. So and 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 it kind of it, it kind of shocked her. She was much older than me at the time. Um, and so I was definitely her junior as, as her leader, which was common throughout my career. Um, and, but it worked and we tabled it. We had the discussion a week later, he approved the project, no big deal, but he needed to be heard at that time. And that's okay because sometimes we have to manage up and we have to manage up appropriately. So again, dealing with audience members, dealing with business presentations, dealing
0: with a lot of different things, people are difficult. <laughs> right they are they are and a lot of times like you just illustrated a lot of times they are not trying to be difficult for the sake of being difficult a lot of times they just want to be heard they just want their point of view respected and taken into consideration and if you do that a lot of times they ease up they let up and you're able to achieve your objectives as well. So uh, another beautiful story, another wonderful narrative to, yeah, help us wrap our minds around how do you deal with quote unquote difficult moments? And I'm going to put it in quotation marks because they're really not difficult. It can be a number of things that's going on underneath the surface. And mm-hmm. you, like you were telling that colleague, it's, it's almost kind of like a choose your battle type of thing, or like, what can you realistically get done in this moment and maybe trying to change his mind or trying to shift their point of view maybe that's not what we're going to do here we're just going to hear the person um but just really thinking about what can you feasibly do uh and y- y- sometimes you have to be a miracle worker <laughs> if you really want to accomplish what you think you can accomplish oh i can change their mind oh, try that with some of them good luck with that. <laughs> Okay, in a little bit, you will have an opportunity to ask me a question, but for now, I want to know, have you always, I think I know the answer, but I'm just going to ask just based on your 17-year-old story uh, or your story of when you were 17 and pregnant, have you always been confident? Has it always been relatively easy for you to get on a stage and present? Um,
1: I will say confidence and ability to stand up and be able to talk? Yes. So okay. I grew up in a large, large Southern Baptist church uh, where at age of three, they're throwing you up in front of a thousand people expecting you to sing at the age of three, right? Like <laughs> so I just kind of like, you know, you just got used to being on stage. And I got on stage, I loved acting, singing, dancing. It was, it's, it's doable for me. Now I will tell you, does confidence come? Um getting pregnant at 17 shook me. It, it shook me and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. So, um, I think as I address in, um, the book, you know, I think there's three areas of confidence you have to investigate. You know, does your lack of confidence come from, uh, fear? Does it come from the lies we tell ourselves or does it come from shame? And for me, it came from shame. So personally, you know, even though uh, the principal was yelling at me, it wasn't anything I wasn't already thinking, right? I felt that way. I felt that, you know, and so he just confirmed it by yelling at me, but it's that shame I lived that, you know, I wasn't good enough. Like, you know, I, I speak about also in the book that my first, um, my first uh, time I got asked to be flown somewhere for speaking, like, they were going to fly me. And I was like, who are you people? Like, I am 21 years old. I don't know what the heck I'm doing in life. And by the way, I have no education. Um, I am going to a junior college at night to try to get my degree why would you ever fly me somewhere? Like, do you have a brain in your head? You can find someone else so much better to do this. Like literally these are like, I, you know, but you know me loud enough. Like I am straightforward. I am transparent, my face, my hands, my mouth. Like, I was like, you're crazy. Like you should not be paying me to do this. And so I said, no, they called back a week later. And they're like, no, we want you. And I'm like, and and honestly, it came from shame. I didn't feel like I was worthy enough. They saw the value in me. They wanted me to come up. They knew I can make the young people giggle, (laughs) right? (laughs) While learning, you know, how to get ready to go to college and plan and get their life together, you know? But unfortunately, I didn't see my value. So I think- you know, getting up on the on the stage, I never had to worry with, but getting me up on that stage um, was where I had to build back my worthiness and my confidence.
0: This reminds me of a conversation I had with someone else on this show, and we talked about a similar sentiment she had where she was thinking they could get anybody you know what what do they want me for they could get and we stopped and we said yes they know they could call anyone they know they could look up anyone but they did not <laughs> 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 they called you they booked you on that flight they wanted you on that stage so it's so funny how we go through that in our heads of but th- why they could have picked anyone what huh but, but they did it. They picked you. <laughs> All right, Jeanette, what is your question for me?
1: Well, Bridget, you've recently changed um, the company name to Press oh, 49. Yeah. And I absolutely love what Press 49 stands for. So I would love for you to share that. But also, I want to know, what was your motivation behind making this major change?
0: Hmm. All right. Fantastic question. So listeners, you may not know that I am also a publisher. I don't talk about it much on the show, but in addition to being an award-winning international professional speaker and an award-winning author, I am an award-winning publisher. So the publishing company used to be called BMEC Talks Press, but it's now Press 49, the publisher of Jeanette's book and a number of other books. Now, I changed the name of the company, and this is going to be so straightforward. I know you're looking for something prolific and exciting and deep, but it's not. I changed the name of the company because no one would pronounce it correctly. No one pronounced it correctly. Now, it's not everybody else's fault. I'm not, I'm not putting the blame on others. I said, well, Bridget, what can you do to make it easy on people? Make it a name that folks know how to pronounce, right? So I, I I took the I took the the blame. I took the heat for that one. So I changed the name to Press 49. Now here's the story behind Press 49 and why I landed on that. So in 2019 was when I published my first book. And there's a long story behind how I even got into that. I wrote and published my first book, and it published on April 9th, 49. But then later that year, I decided, Bridget, let's see if you really know what you're doing with this book, Publishing Jazz. So let's see if you can do this again, but don't just do it again for yourself, but publish some other people. Let's see what you can do. So what I did was I put out the call to other professional speakers and I was going to put together a compilation book called Own the Microphone. And in that book, And that came out of people always asking me, how did I start my speaking business? Where should they start? So on and so forth. And I would have these calls, these discovery calls with people, and I would leave those calls feeling like I had not impacted them. So I said, what if I can get advice from other speakers who have started their speaking businesses and not only get advice from them on how to get started, but what are some mistakes to avoid or what if they had to do some things differently what would they be and I decided what is the perfect number of people to pull together let me find another 49 people to go along with me and let's do this book now they didn't know me to be a publisher but I owe so much to those 49 professional speakers who said you know what I don't know if you know anything about putting a book out or not But I am going to have enough faith and confidence in you, Bridget, and your team to make this happen. So Press 49's name comes from, one, the publication date of that first book, 4-9, or April 9th of 2019 as well as those 49 other professional speakers who joined me to put out that book where you know we were like what are we doing here but everybody said what a smooth wonderful process it was so yeah there's the story
1: <laughs> That is awesome I love that story and I love that one you overcame an obstacle but it also you know with your with with the name of the company not being able to be you know, pronounced correctly or whatever, but also you, you built it with something that's like meaningful. Right. So now it's, it's not just your publishing company. It is your mission. I love it.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I had been speaking at that point for 18 years without my own book. And I thought, And then after the book had such success, I mean, it's, it sells out all the time at conferences. It's won an award. It's been incredible. Uh, As a matter of fact, I, yeah, I won't go into all of that, whatever. It's, (laughs) (laughs) It's, I don't like talking about myself. It's been great. Right. Uh, And I need to work on that. Right. I was reading something the other day that said something to the effect of, read something to the effect of as a professional speaker if you don't have any pictures then the book signing didn't happen the event didn't happen I'm like oh well I got a lot of them that didn't happen because I never take pictures I just don't like all of the lights and fanfare and such but I've got the frequent flyer miles and the hotel points to prove (laughs) uh, and the and the conference bulletins with my name in them to prove that I've been on stages but I digress I said How many other speakers, entrepreneurs, business owners, coaches, consultants, how many need a book and they don't necessarily know the ins and outs of publishing. They don't want to become publishers, but they just need that book as that elevated business card, as that next stepping stone in their business. And so, yeah, Press 49 came to be, that was a good question. Nobody's ever asked me. I don't think anybody's ever asked me about publishing. (laughs) There you go. I want people to know how amazing you are. Oh, I appreciate that, Jeanette. You were hired as my, I don't know, my hype woman, as my yes. lead, as my. <laughs> yes, <laughs>
1: I'll of, be
0: your hype woman. I love all it. All of the things, all of the things. Everybody, visit LinkedIn and check out Jeanette. Make sure you hire her when you need someone to speak on all things in the areas of just. What leadership and change management and just owning your power. Check out Jeanette, and I've got her link in the show notes to her LinkedIn profile. Uh, Connect with her, follow her, and then engage with her. You will not be disappointed when you get her on your stage. Jeanette, what's one last thing our audience, our listeners need to know in order to make sure they're getting up there and they're owning the microphone? Take action. Just
1: do it. The lack of inaction won't get you anywhere. Just get up and do it. And it's going to suck the first time. Sorry for my language. It's going to stink, but you'll get better and better and better and, uh, you own your power.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, 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 again, read something the other day where it was like, you know, the first dinner you cooked was horrible. The first, whatever was terrible. The first is always going to be horrible, but you won't know how to get better or get to the 100th brilliant instance if you don't take action. So perfectly said, Jeanette. Jeanette Baker, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited. For sure, for sure. Everybody get your copy of Own Your Power by Jeanette Baker. I am Bridget McGowan. Until next time, make sure you always own the microphone.